Let's Go Tokyo with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings. Hello and welcome to Let's Go Tokyo, a special podcast completely dedicated to the Tokyo Olympics. I'm Ben O'Shea, joined by Mark Reddings, and all this week leading up to the Olympic Games, we'll be speaking to some very talented West Aussies who'll be heading to Tokyo. Now, before we get into it today, Skeet, some, well, let's look, unfortunate news from the equestrian team. Yes, uh, we know the C word's always hanging over the Olympics, being covid but unfortunately, it's cocaine. Yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> the last thing I would expect the equestrian team to get up to. Like, you think doing the dressage, you have to be so precise on your game. Well, we shouldn't be laughing at this, but Jamie Kermont has been, of course, uh, disqualified from the Tokyo Olympics as a result of testing positive for that. He's been very remorseful and mm. apologetic, but the bottom line is he said it was done on a recreational basis. That ends his campaign and unfortunately uh, it means the equestrian team has to rejig its lineup. So uh, already controversy uh, with the opening ceremony still a day away. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a stupid thing to do really. It's so hard to get to an Olympics, especially one admired in a pandemic. Yeah, he's really thrown his chance away. It's sad to see. Uh, but there is some good news. We saw a great result in the opening game for the Matildas yesterday. Yeah, 2-1 win over New Zealand, which is a nice start. But bear in mind, they'd lost five matches prior to that victory over the New Zealanders last night. So the build-up has been a bit shaky, but they got their game on their terms last night, the 2-1 victory. And no surprise, the front page of the West Australian today had Super Sam Kerr, of course, a goal scorer and one of the stars of the performance. Yeah, as the, as Sam Kerr goes, that's how the Matildas go. I think that's going to be the story of this Olympics for that team. Uh, they'll face the Swedes on Saturday. It was great to see after the win, they posed with the Indigenous flag. Great moment for Australian sport, and we hope to see more from the Matildas in this game. And pre-game, we saw uh, a stance by both sides, the Black Lives Matters and, and a stance against uh, racism, and we know it's so prevalent still even in the AFL with posts made by let's be honest cowards and and bullies and that was a, a nice touch I'm sure that will continue uh, throughout the course of the Olympics uh, bottom line is the Matildas uh, showing a lot of class on the pitch and off it as well. Yeah, well, there's no better place than to uh, display inclusivity than at the Olympics that brings the whole world together. And today, we've got a very special guest, Skeet, WA triathlete Jazz Hedgeland. Let's have a listen. WA's elite athletes on the podium. Jazz, how do you feel when you got the call-up for your first Olympics? Um, I felt a lot of things all at once. <laughs> um and it's pretty crazy because obviously you're dreaming of that phone call for so long. And then when it did happen, I was um, I was just in shock and I couldn't really say anything for a good 10 seconds. Um, but I was absolutely overwhelmed with, with enjoyment. And yeah, I was so excited for what was to come. So Jazz, talk us through getting to that point where you know you're going to represent your country. Was it touch and go for you? Did you always feel that you were well positioned to get a spot on the team? Tell us. Yeah, so I guess um, the last few years with triathlon and with Australian women, it is really competitive and we have so many good quality athletes. So I honestly had no idea up until I got that phone call whether I would be on the team or not. I had a lot of hope, but I really did not know what was going to happen. And in regards to triathlon and quota spots for the Olympics, 
we only had qualified two up until basically right before the Olympic qualification window closed. And that was like two days before I had a race up in Port Douglas. And if I was able to win or come second in that race, I was most likely going to gain enough points to qualify Australia a third spot rather than just two. So I guess going into that race, I knew how important it was. And I felt like if Australia had three spots at the Olympics as opposed to two, I definitely had a better chance of being selected. So I guess all my focus was just on that race up until that point and then tried to relax for a couple of days until we got that <laughs> phone call. <laughs> well, it's only been an Olympic sport since 2000 and Australia has done pretty well, especially when it comes to the women. We've won one gold, Emma Snowsill, back in 2008, a couple of silvers and a bronze. As you say, in women in particular, it's been particularly competitive. No Aussie men have won medals in the try. What's your favourite discipline of the, of the riding, the swimming and the running? Um, I do enjoy them all. Um, obviously, I guess that's why I do the sport. Um, but I definitely have um, a soft spot for running. I have always loved that. And I think it's just the freedom. You just need a pair of shoes. You can run wherever you are in the world. And quite a few of my injuries have stopped me from running. So whenever I get back to running again, I'm like, I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> and for people who are not familiar with uh, what's involved with this sport at the Olympics, what are the distances that we're talking about for each leg? So it's very exciting with this Olympics because it's the first time that we have the relay event added. So normally it's just the individual event which is a 1.5-kilometre swim, a 40-kilometre bike and a 10-kilometre run. So that takes us about two hours and then the boys obviously a bit faster than that. However, this time a few days later, there is also the mixed team relay, which is composed of four athletes and the order is female, male, female, male. And we basically all do a really short triathlon. That's about 20 to 25 minutes each. And then you tag the next person. Um, so that one's very exciting to watch for the crowd because things can change so quickly. And the course is very compact, so they, so they can basically watch the whole thing. Despite the physical demands, which we know go with the triathlon event, what about mentally? That must come into it at some stage as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, as with most sports. Um, but I think with triathlon, it's very difficult to get a balance of swimming, cycling and running well all at the same time and then being able to do it in a race scenario as well. So I think mentally it definitely challenges you because it's not something you can train for a short amount of time, work out the secrets and then nail it. It takes years and years because everybody as well is different. Their bodies work in different ways. So I guess mentally sort of trusting that if you are trying to get somewhere, you will get there. It's just it's going to take you a little while. Um, so, yeah, when you're striving for those those long-term goals, it definitely challenges you to, to keep going and, and challenge your belief in yourself. You mentioned how you love to get the, the runners on, and, and that's a, a part of the triathlon you really enjoy. Of the other legs, is there one you think, oh, I'm not looking forward to this, particularly even training, to, to make sure you get up to the, the level required? 
Yeah, I guess there's definitely difficult aspects in the swim, bike and run. Um, and I think it's common knowledge for anyone who's watched a triathlon. The, the first 200 metres of the swim is a bit of a bit of a fist fight in the water. So that's definitely, I think, something we're all standing on the start line and we're all a bit nervous for the first part of the swim. And after that, you can kind of get into your groove. Um, but yeah, definitely the start is a bit nerve wracking. And those transitions when you're going from uh, from one to the other, you're clipping your, your shoes into the bike, stuff like that. Do you do you, does that keep you up at night? Quick pit stops. <laughs> I guess doesn't keep me up at night because we practice it so often, but it's 100% something that you need to think about because, um, yeah, you can come out of the swim with a group and there could be a few seconds difference between you and the person in front of you. And then if you stuff up your transition or you don't get onto the bike quick enough, that gap can just open up and, yeah, that can just grow over the length of the rest of the race. So those parts are definitely crucial, even though they seem very short in the grand scheme of things. And what about the conditions over there in Tokyo? What what sort of weather you're anticipating, temperature-wise, humidity-wise? Is it going to be much of a challenge for the uh, competitors? Oh, 100%. Um, the humidity and the heat over there is is a massive factor that I think every Olympian has thought about and has tried to implement processes to prepare themselves for. Um, so with me, I've been doing some training in the heat chamber, um, even just sort of sitting in the spa for a couple of sessions a week just to try and get my body used to the hot water because, um, yeah, your heart rate gets up higher quicker in the heat and being an endurance event of two hours, there's not a lot of, hot, not a lot of time to um, recover once it does get up there. So you really got to try and get your body to adapt to those higher temperatures because um, it does take a bigger toll on the body. And Jess, you sound like a bubbly, excited athlete <laughs> about to go to a first Olympics, but it's all about controlling the emotions and even controlling how will you sleep the night before an event like this? Oh, my goodness. I have no idea <laughs> how I'm going to get to sleep, especially knowing that um. My race is at 6.30 in the morning, so it's going to be an early start and um, it's going to be back-to-back getting ready um, for the start line at 6.30. So I definitely think the night before the race is going to be a little bit of a struggle. Um, But I guess with that, there's been plenty of training sessions where you've turned up a bit tired or fatigued and you know you can get through it. Um, So I think you definitely got to think about that um, if you don't have a good night's sleep or something. Um, But I'm honestly just so excited to, yeah, make my first Olympic team and everybody keeps saying soak it all in. So I'm just trying to focus on all the positives that come with it. Well, it'll be an interesting Olympics to soak in because it's going to be one like no other. We know it's going to happen under a state of emergency conditions because of COVID. Uh, There'll be no spectators in the venues. How do you think that will impact uh, the athletes on the triathlon track? Yeah, it is definitely going to be different. Um, I guess from my point of view, I haven't had an Olympic experience to compare it to anyway, um, which I guess could be a good thing. Um, But at the end of the day, I think it's just a miracle that the Olympics is even going ahead. And I really hope that it's something that can bring the world together while we are all still going, being going through a pandemic. And I really believe the Japanese are going to do an excellent job at putting all relevant protocols in place. And yeah, I guess we go straight into the Olympic Village. So I feel like we'll kind of just be in our own little world focusing on our events um, which could end up being a good thing and 
hopefully not getting too overwhelmed. <laughs> Absolutely. We're speaking to Jazz Hedgeland, uh, first-time Olympian, triathlon as part of our Let's Go Tokyo podcast. Uh, Jazz, last one from me. When it comes to um, growing up as a little girl, we saw Ash Barty talk about winning Wimbledon as a, a dream come true. Was this always on the radar for you? Was it become something that you discovered as part of your athletic career? Yeah, so I actually started um, doing triathlons after I watched the 2004 Olympic Games and I watched the triathlon and I just wanted to try it after that. Um, So I guess when I started tries, I was like nine years old. So obviously at that point in time, I wasn't instantly like I want to be an Olympian, but it's something that I kind of always had at the back of my mind, I think. And as I kind of progressed and just loved everything about the sport, It's definitely something I aspired to want to do. Um, And, yeah, I've been doing the sport for 17 years now. Um, So I'm so excited that after doing it for so long, I have been able to get to this level and it has been a dream for a while now. Um, So, yeah, absolutely seeing Ash Barty win Wimbledon was just unbelievable. Um, And, yeah, it's, it's cool to share feelings like that that she would have after winning and the dream of course is to finish on the podium for any olympic athlete can you give us an idea of what your personal expectations are uh, what your team expectations are who what countries we need to really be looking at as threats in the triathlon and uh, if you do end up on the podium will you be giving a shout out to the uh, frio triathlon club <laughs> i most definitely will be um absolutely that's where it all started i wouldn't be here Um, if it wasn't for the fun that I had all those years ago in that squad, so 100%. But, yeah, as you said, um, the Australian women have always performed well at the Olympics, and that's absolutely something that I want to sort of follow on and and carry as well. Um, But then also adding in the relay event, Australia has always performed very strongly um, over that distance, so definitely be watching out for us there. Yeah, we definitely will be watching out. The whole nation will be watching. <laughs> the triathlon is going to run July 26, 27 and 31. A whole nation will be behind you. Jazz Hedgeland, first-time Olympian. We're very proud of you. We look forward to watching you in action. Thank you so much for having me. How great is Jazz? You'll be following her all the way home, won't you? You know what? The voice, she sounds so sweet and so soft, but I'll tell you what... To get to where she has, she must have that fire in the belly and she must be a com- real competitor, a fierce competitor because it's such a demanding sport. Not for the faint-hearted. Absolutely. And uh, you just, uh, one of those sports you sit back during the Olympics and just admire the work rate and what they have to go through. And as she mentioned, a bit like other countries when they hold the Olympics, humidity becomes an issue. And for, for West Australians particularly, that's something we don't have to deal with too much. So a real challenge for Jazz, but she's excited. And you talk about all those Tokyo restrictions and the state of emergency. Well, she's basically never known anything but going to events in the last year or two without having sort of restrictions placed on her. So this is nothing um, extraordinary for her. This is something that she's going to savour and, and hopefully come back with a great result. Yeah, that's it. You just wonder, you know, coming into the home stretch when you're used to seeing packs of people lining the streets, cheering them on, to not have that, what impact that will make on the race. It's going to be fascinating to see. Australia has high hopes in the triathlon, especially for the women where we've done so well in the past. Uh, and we certainly wish Jazz Hedgeland all the best. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Ben O'Shea with Mark Reddings. Join us again tomorrow and we'll speak to Paul Volta, Emma George and preview the opening ceremony as the Tokyo Games gets ready to kick off. This is 
is Let's Go Tokyo, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Let's Go Tokyo by The West Live with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings.